0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 9th of January 2024. Coming up today, all the news from CES and Apple Vision Pro has a launch date. You're
1: listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host Stephen Scott and Sean Priest.
2: Hey, Sean Priest, How are you today? That's not the question, Stephen Scott. The question is, how are you? Uh,
0: well, yeah, listen, I, <laughs> I agree. You know, I, although I will admit, I, I do think sometimes mm. it is, we do, we do talk about me a lot. So I think maybe what we should do is get you to talk a little bit uh, about me. Oh. oh, okay.
2: Wow. Well, he was born... <laughs> In the uh, <laughs> northwest, I don't know where you were born. You were born and um, I was born. At, well, you're not far off, yeah. In the northwest north, in the north somewhere, west, yeah. Uh, end of Glasgow town. Um, That's No, nice. I, was, I, was, I was asking simply because, I'll be honest with you, Stephen Scott, yesterday I felt a little, um, I don't want to say aggression, but annoyance from huh. you. I did wonder right, what that I, email I, I, from
0: HR was all about. I, well, you know, passive aggression is, is still aggression. That's all I'm going to say. I've never, but, um, excuse me. I have never been passively aggressive in my life. Oh, no. Sorry. I am uh, only aggressive. Overtly <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> yes, that's right. yes, yes, overtly sorry. aggressive. I'm sorry. Was I be- Listen, if I was being passive aggressive yesterday, I am sorry. I will make sure I am more aggressive properly <laughs> tomorrow. I, I don't know what I did there. That was a mistake. No, it was
2: the first day back yesterday and um y- you just seemed a little bit um annoyed
0: oh, I'll tell Steve, you what was wrong but what with me was going yesterday on? I what? had the on. mother of all headaches and I still do it's one of those things it's just not going away and my wife had a bug last week don't know what it was she was feeling a bit dizzy sore head all of that oh, no. and and then today or yesterday I had similar and of course it's worse when I get it, you know, that's the problem. You know, it's, it's, of course When is. she gets it, it's of course I'm sad about it. I, I yeah. feel uh, upset. Just be very careful now. But, but then I get it and it's like, that, that's when it's real trouble for me, you know. I'm like, yes. oh, but now I'm sore. <laughs> and by that point, no one cares. <laughs> and how are you feeling today? Uh, better. Still got the oh, headache. Good. I still All feel like okay. the left side of my face is numb, um, which is never a good feeling. Like, uh, hang on, hang on. Is that a headache or a migraine? Are you are you seeing colours in your little head? Uh, I well, not very good colours. That's the oh. thing, right? I, I I it's like when you ask people who are blind, can do they dream? In oh. you know, like humans and all that. if you never seen here? anything? Really? It's well, an interesting question, though.
2: No, I didn't. I just asked if you saw colours because it's a migraine rather than a headache. Well, I was comparing the two. I don't want to go on to dreams. What next? Dream catches? What are we talking <sighs> about here? Anyway, yeah, sorry, carry on. Anyway, yesterday I was irritated, drink.
0: today I'm getting irritated again. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I am fine. Uh, I, I wasn't seeing colours, no, but uh, I am certainly feeling a little bit better today, which is good news, mainly because uh, just after we finished recording yesterday... Oh, after I left. Yeah, you felt uh, better. <laughs> yeah, I felt a hundred times better, but also because... Of the breaking breaking news. news.
1: Breaking news. Mm-hmm.
0: What yeah. breaking news? Apple Vision Pro has a launch date. Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh.
3: Okay, (laughs) Okay. sold, are
2: you? (laughs) Well, we knew it was going to be released uh, in 2024, and I would assume um, Q1, to be honest, because the developers have had it in their hands for a good few months now. So Mm. when is the actual date then?
0: So official date is February 2nd. Uh, Pre-orders begin on January 19th. Uh, you can only get your hands on it if you live in the states. Ooh, um, okay, yes. So, Surprising or
2: not? Ah, uh, I was a little bit
0: surprised by that. I I kind of thought UK, Canada, US would be the first places possibly to get this out no, to other countries. I mean, I, I, look, I, personally, I think this is a development kit that's being sold publicly. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of developers are going to buy this and and develop content and and apps for it. Um, but Outside I'm, of going through the beta and, and um, yeah. developer program, you mean? Yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of tech heads are going to want to jump on this right away. And of course, this is technology that is not going to disappear overnight. It's not going to become outdated in a year. So, mm. you know, well, well, I, yeah, I, I still
2: remember my iPad, was it three? Six months later, there was the iPad 4. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, they I had actually, my fingers burnt.
0: They actually deleted it, remember?
2: <laughs> Didn't exist. Yes, the- I
0: just deleted it. <laughs> just it was just gone. <laughs> um but no, this this is this is certainly going to be an interesting uh device because it is really a development at development stage, even when it's launched. Um I'll be really interested to see what comes out of this. Now we're actually going to be talking about this a bit later with Shelley Brisbane, who has been on our show many times. Of course, she's the host of the Parallel Podcast. She's also uh her a broadcaster in Texas on radio there and journalist, and she's going to be joining us. She's also, by the way, the writer of the fantastic Access iOS Access for All book, uh, which is now available for iOS 17. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that oh, with yeah. Shelley as well. But the reason I got sh- I wanted Shelly to come on to talk about this is because she can talk about it from the low vision perspective. You know my view on this. I don't think blind people from day one are going to get much out of this. I'm not saying that won't be the case forever because everyone, i you met know, people are jumping out on me saying, ah, but it's got accessibility. Yeah, I know it's got accessibility in it, but if that's all it has is accessibility tools and no apps that are actually in any way usable or enjoyable for us, that, I, that basically in this occasion, mm. I mean, you know, when we talk about the Apple Watch, for example, what's the first thing everyone says? But I can do that on my phone. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to spend three and a half grand on a headset to find out that I could just do it all on my phone anyway. And, and let's be fair, that, that's a perfectly valid
2: argument yeah. as well. I can do it on my phone. They're absolutely right. I still struggle to sell the Apple Watch to anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and this could be the same case. Yes, it, it, it's going to be accessible at a system level. You could go through the menus, you can do whatever through the um, bundled apps that are going to be on there, whatever they may be. But how useful is any of that going to be to us?
0: I, I don't want to know. take it away from the sighties, right? The sighted people will have oh, the best time with this. I have no doubt. And I am super jealous. And I think it's going to be a great experience visually, um, possibly better than anything else. You know, Apple tend to just do this, don't they? They tend to come up with a product and it is way ahead of everything else. I think the, the problem in for this product for me is I, I think it's it's a device in search of a problem to solve. Yes, arguably the same as the Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I don't know, I but from, from a blind perspective, because that's who you're talking to, I'm talking to blind people here. Hello. Hello, blind people. Um, I don't think for us, it's going to be something we would jump on and get any value out of today. That might be different in a year. But I do think that low vision people might get more out of this, in fact, in a big way, sooner. So that's why I'm putting to Shelley Brisbane today. So we'll get Shelley on and uh, get her take on that. She might come on and say, actually, do you know what? You're wrong. There's nothing in this for me. I'm really intrigued to hear what she's got to say about this. And yeah. also, uh, I want to know if she's going to get hands-on with one so she can write an extra chapter to that iOS Access for All book. Um, <laughs> There's a new one. What's it called? <laughs> Is it Vision OS? Is there Vision going to be OS, a new yeah. OS? Oh, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. So that'll be interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Shelley coming up a bit later. We'll talk more about Vision Pro then. Uh, CES, of course, is underway. Right. Uh, that's it. It's on. And um, it's the usual collection of, of weird and wonderful gadgets, you know, talking toilets and whatever else. There's no talking toilets. Although well, I wish there were. Uh, unless you can't. Talking days. That's all I hear about. Well, but the day with Lady A in. And seems Google. Or um, oh, Google we as discriminate, well. Discriminate, yes. They're oh. both there. You can sit on both of them. Lady G. <laughs> Does not, <laughs> not, no, that doesn't sound right <laughs> at all. I'm pretty sure the marketing team will not like that. Um, but, you know, as well as that, really the phrase you're going to hear a lot, it seems at CES this year, is AIPC. Now, we talked yesterday about the co-pilot key that's coming into Microsoft products and, and we'll see that come in more. But AIPCs are going to be a big deal in uh, the next year. Uh, now... <laughs> I have to say, this is one where normally PCs and, and other manufacturers tend to get ahead of the game, and then Apple follow up with some amazing project later that kind of you know surpasses it all. But this is one occasion where Apple are actually way ahead. So basically, what we're talking about here is you know Intel, AMD working together to build. Well, I'm not even sure they're working together on this, but they're certainly working with companies like Nvidia and other companies to develop these uh, npus these chips these processing units that go inside the the chips the the processors that operate your computer and will help enable ai processing on the device so you can actually have a laptop that will be able to do all of the ai work without having to reach out to the cloud now, that's yes. pretty cool right um but Intel and AMD are like, oh, this is this is the year of this to happen. It's the year for the AI PC. And it's like, hang on, Apple silicon has had this for a long time. In fact, in 2017, they had their first NPU put into Apple products way back when. Mm-hmm. And you know that's still the case today. The difference is Apple don't use it for anything relating to AI so- or what they call <laughs> machine learning. They use it to you know do other things like make Face ID better or fingerprint sensing better through Touch ID. That's how mm-hmm. they're using it at the moment. But we could you so could see the potential of this really becoming useful in the generative AI space whenever Siri gets a functioning brain.
2: I yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. What is the difference between a AI, um, not powered but optimized AI optimized CPU or processor versus your traditional ARM or RISC or x86 CPU? Why is there a difference? Why is that particular architecture better for AI? Is it uh, lots of smaller, lower-powered cores working in parallel that can process um, bits of data at the same time in parallel rather than just doing it through sequentially?
0: I I don't know what the difference here, but yes. Well, the Uh, the main difference is cloud, cloud versus local, right? So you're able to do all of your processing of your you know, ChatGPT, for example, you could use a, pro- a product like ChatGPT, you would have the large language model on your system and it would be able to process your its responses on that machine, on that device. It also allows you to create custom GPTs and do all that kind of stuff, basically creating your own expert version of GPT if you wanted down the line as well. Now, of course, this isn't just unique to OpenAI's ChatGPT. There's the Llama product, there's Bard, There's other uh, large language models out there, um, LLMs for short. And, you know, that would be something that would be available to use and to uh, purpose on your device. And it just makes the whole process uh, swifter. But I think there's also a big question around privacy and security as well. You're not reaching to the cloud so much. You're doing everything based on your computer. Your data is not getting out to the cloud, which a lot of people are concerned about.
2: That might, look, fine. Absolutely. Okay. So I've got a document here that's uh, 500 pages long. I want to feed it to my AI, uh, whatever it's called, hmm. um, thing. And uh, I want it to you know digest it and I can ask it questions and question it on that document. Absolutely fine. All done on device. I totally get that. But the power of AI for me and lots of other things as well not just ai is the connectivity of it is the ability of the incredible storage capacity of the internet of getting that information from anywhere that isn't on the local device i totally understand the you know the uh, voice recognition side of it the llm we're using a lot of acronyms today it's cool um but using that natural voice so you can talk to your device without having to send that recording of your voice off to a better computer so it can understand what you're saying and send it back, like the smart speakers work now, or just do that straight on device, I totally understand the benefits of that. But the power of AI for me is the ability to reach out and scrape for information outside of the local. I think that's far more a majority of the use case.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we'll yeah. see. But I think that is certainly one of the, the key things we're going to hear about a lot. And you know what we've got to remember about CES is it's kind of twofold. Um, I think there's, there's two kind of key themes. I mean, some would argue three, but I, I'd say there's two main themes that come out of it. There's the hardware inside our technology that we hear a lot about, updates to that. You're going to hear lots about that kind of stuff. Some of it might feel a bit boring or a bit beyond. And it kind of is, a lot of it's beyond me. But basically we're talking about the brain of the technology uh, that we use every day. That kind of hardware is improving and, and, you know, we're seeing lots of companies talk about their latest processor that they're developing and lots of companies are starting to create their own processors for for what they do, um, which, you know, is kind of, I guess, I, I think since the pandemic, there's been such a fear over the shortage, the chip shortage, that is still affecting a lot of product manufacturers today. That yeah. I think a lot of companies are thinking we maybe need to get into this ourselves. we saw samsung the other day announcing that they're going to build their own robotic uh, smart uh, semiconductor plant. so it will actually build their the, uh, the robots will essentially build parts for themselves skynet um, yeah this is getting <laughs> really terrifying <laughs> but you can kind of see why because obviously the, there's such a demand so the companies are very keen to get ahead of the game and get to the number one spot i mean nvidia have been ahead of this for a long time yes. and they are they are really You know, they're making a lot of money out of this, but they can't keep up with demand. So really, they can't be the only game in town. There are other companies out of Taiwan who are very much on top of this. I think it's one of the biggest, there's a Taiwan company that's like the number one semiconductor company in the world. Yeah. But of course, you've got distribution challenges as well. You've got shipping challenges. You've got all of that. And God forbid we have another pandemic you know, well, all the exactly. again. So, you know, how do you keep things moving in the event of that? And I think that's where the, a lot of that learning has happened. We're starting to see the results of that. Early days, we kind of realised it was a problem. We knew there was an issue of, you know, trying to keep these plants open, keep these products being built. The companies are starting to address that. They're using robotics because they know they can continue going on. They're not going to catch COVID. So, yeah, well not
2: only that, it's it's I mean the amount of money and effort it takes for these clean rooms, because silicon production requires, you know, zero interference from anything, any yeah. dust or anything. You know, biohazard suits that they need to wear. So if you can keep the human element out of it and basically keep it into a, a automated process, it makes total sense. But I I mean, again, it sounds all too technical for me. What about AI PCs, though? As in The use case, because we're so used to the way we use Windows or Mac OS now, Um, you know, the the keyboard. Is that going to change? When does something like I'd be able to use a smart speaker as a PC? How many people have we recommended to, you know, hey, I just want to browse the web. I want to send emails. And that's all I really want a laptop for. We, We hear that so often, right? Well, with AI involved, couldn't anything do that? Does your smart speaker suddenly become your main PC at that
0: point? I think that we are so close to that, but it, it kind of comes back to this point about third party. We're going to be talking about this actually with uh, David Ward uh, on the Thursday show, I think it's going to be. Um, we're going to be talking with David Ward, host of the Echo Tips podcast, because he's coming on to talk about Lady A and the Amazon Echo and how that whole you know ecosystem is evolving and how things are moving along with the new let's chat to AI, whatever it's called, feature. And I think that the problem we have is that these things are all being developed in isolation and that they're not being built with third-party integrations yet. Now, I'm sure that'll come in time, but you're absolutely right. I want to hook up my Microsoft Outlook account or my Gmail account or my iCloud account to my smart speaker and read, get it to read my emails respond to those emails, delete those emails, you know, tidy my inbox without having to sit and flick through an app on a phone or, yes. you know, have to deal with a keyboard on a phone, which of course we all know the challenges there. I mean, I love reading and consuming content on a phone, but I find typing or data entry into it an absolute nightmare these days. And that's I partly totally because agree. of my, and, and I'm not, I know I'm alo- not alone in this, but, you know, the essential tremor in my left hand just isn't getting any better. So that's just making it even harder. So, Absolutely. you know, it's Bluetooth keyboard all the way, but even then that's not ideal. Because, you know, it has many pitfalls and equally so does braille displays and all the rest of it. So, you know, I'm with you. I think that we just need to get that integration right. That's that is when the smart speaker becomes your computer. It's perfectly capable of it. Well, not yet it isn't, but it could be. And no, but it is. I mean, look, there was there was a skill for a while, it disappeared a couple of years ago, where I could read my Outlook emails. Yes, it was built into the Echo. It was a, a first-party Yeah, and, I, and
2: I'm sure I was able to respond to those emails as well. You could. You could browse through, you could delete, you could reply, and you could compose. Well, Except, what else do I want? Uh, because it was a terrible experience. It was an awful experience. I, again, what i keep coming back to with AI, and we mentioned it before, the LM, the large language model. Sorry, stop,
0: stop, stop, taught, because you are cutting out, so I'm going to get you to restart that sentence. It's as if you're I'm dropping and losing you. Talk to me. I got you back. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, do you want to pick up from there?
2: Yeah. What did I say? Um,
0: so I said, um, you know, it was kind of there, you know, I, I was using oh it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. It was an awful experience. The email experience was terrible because it just didn't understand you very well. And the thing I keep coming back to of AI is the LLM, as we keep saying. That ability for it to understand what you're saying so well and you not having to think about how you're phrasing a command is the key. Once I can say, hey, any new emails from whoever, and it comes back straight away and tells me, and I say, delete or reply, and I don't have to spend time trying to edit my response and things like that, that is the sticking point at the minute. Yes, the capability is there. It's just not a great usability experience.
0: Yeah, but that shows me there's potential. That's the point.
2: Absolutely. Yes, I would agree with you. Yes.
0: So some other things to keep an eye on from CES, and there's lots of announcements. I mean, honestly, we'd be here all day if we wanted to try and go through them all. But you know, you're going to hear a lot about laptops. Uh, Intel announcing new 14th gen mobile processors. Uh, speaking of laptops, Lenovo. Um, I think this is just a terrible idea. They've crammed uh, a Windows and uh, Windows computer and Android tablet into one device. Okay. Uh, I am so not interested in this, uh, but. Basically, this is the ThinkBook Plus Gen 5 hybrid. And it's uh, basically coming to the conclusion that Android is a better touch experience than Windows is. So if you're going to use a tablet, you're probably going to want to use the Android one versus using uh, Windows as a tablet in itself. I don't disagree with that, but it's a whole other OS, right? So I, I just don't know how I feel about those two working together. And of course, let's not even think about what that's like with a screen reader situation. Um, I know it's possible because we've got back oh, on there and, you know, it's doable, but that's about it. Okay, I've lost you completely. Yeah, I've T-
2: lost you. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Let it settle down. It's going up and down.
0: I don't know who, whose end that is.
2: No, it's probably mine. Mine's been terrible lately
0: again.
1: Okay. I think that's
0: you back.
2: Am I back? <clears throat> okay.
0: Did you hear any uh-huh. of that?
2: Um, Yes, I think so. Um, where did you leave off?
0: Um, oh God! I'm I was saying, you know, basically Windows, you know, they've realised that it's a... Uh, you know, oh, yeah, I can't the imagine tablet, what the, the experience tablet. would be like with a, a yeah. screen reader okay. situation. <clears throat> <with.
2: clears throat> um, it may be the case that Android is a better touchscreen experience, absolutely. But the thing they keep trying to do when they make these um, laptop-stroke-tablet hybrids is forget that, trying to hold one for any period of time in front of your face. How many of us have fallen asleep with an iPad and it's banged us on the nose? <laughs> it's just a it's... terrible, um, from a physical <laughs> point of view, it's just not good. The laptops are too heavy to use as a tablet. So eh, whatever. Well, I'm sure some
0: people will enjoy it. I don't know. Uh, it's so hard to get excited about something like that. I did see one that I thought was quite interesting. It might have been this one. Um, but I know that the Lenovo are also announcing a laptop which becomes a desktop. And this actually wasn't the worst idea in the world. Uh, so the way it works is that it, you have the laptop, but then the screen almost almost kind of comes up on stilts, if you like. Um, you can kind of pull the screen up, and then it stands up on its own legs, which are built into the laptop hinge. And then that comes up, and then it stands up, so you have get some decent height out of the screen. And then you've Ooh. got your uh, laptop keyboard That's attached to That's not a bad idea. That. That's not a bad idea. Is it called the Giraffe? Please say so. No, it's just called the Lenovo ThinkBook something or other. Because, um, uh, you know, they never come up with good names. Oh, come on now. Okay. At least it sounds sort of halfway useful. I, I can actually see me <laughs> using that in some way or other. Uh, I want to mention Samsung because they've been uh, announcing a few different things. And, you know, apparently transparent TVs of the future, if you didn't know that, you know it now. Uh, Samsung and LG both showing off transparent televisions. Uh, so not only can uh, this be something we can walk into in our homes uh, and, and, you know, f- knock over and break, uh, we can do it with the absolute knowledge of saying, well, I didn't see it because, you know, it's not seeable. through it. Yes. <laughs> it's just my face on TV. On the side. Bizarre. Just a bizarre thing. Why would anybody want a transparent TV? I, I have Are you no joking? Idea.
2: Oh, that, that's the future. Of course you do. You stick really? that on your wall and, you know, you, you've got... <laughs> No, that's beautiful. You can still see your wallpaper or the painted wall underneath your TV.
0: That makes total sense. Of course, you want a transparent TV. It's the dream. Mm. Samsung uh, showed off Uh, a couple of different things. A a mopping robot was one of them. Uh, You know, if you you need your. uh, This could be useful for you, actually, because, you know, the stuff you spill, you could uh, have a a, mopping robot. Chasing after I you.
2: believe, actually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen Scott, it's a combined vacuum and mopping. Now, usually you got to buy separate ones to either mop or vac. This mm. one can do both.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, well, Thank th- you. I'll be honest, this isn't the, the robot I'm interested in. I'm interested in one. Now, They, they brought one back in 2020 called Bailey, uh, and it's back in a slightly different form. So this okay. is an AI-powered isn't everything. AI-powered home robot with a full HD projector built into its face. <laughs> I love
2: it the way you say face. There's that aggression back again.
0: Yes. I'll get that email from HR. Uh, letting it relay video calls or videos on any spare floor floor or wall. Samsung says it will respond to voice floor. commands and, of course, control smart home gadgets. Uh, there's no release date or price info announced because it's never going to be released. But uh, this is <laughs> you apparently... Me to it. Yeah. It's <laughs> never going to happen. It's never okay. going to happen. Uh, but this is apparently another uh, one of Samsung's you know, visions of the future, shall we say. Then um, certainly something we're going to buy. But yeah, it's a really weird little robot that just follows you around. And yeah, if you get a phone call or whatever, it can display it on the wall. I mean, okay, I suppose. If that's not your thing, though, uh, how about the AI fridge? Uh, We've heard a a lot about this kind of stuff over the years. Yeah, more smart fridges. This one uses cameras and, wait for it, machine learning AI to recognise what's in your fridge. It can suggest recipes based on what you have at home. Uh, Of course, we know they've been doing this for a long time, and they had one, I think a couple of years ago, called View Inside that would let you look inside your fridge without opening the door. ridiculous. Again, searching (sighs) for a problem. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here's a solution. I've got one of these old-fashioned fridges where you open the door And And the light comes on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, This one apparently can recognize 33 types of food, and the AI feature is dubbed AI Family Hub Plus, which uh, the plus means it'll cost you money per month. Uh, But yeah, basically, this is, a and the idea is, and, and I saw a few blind people getting excited about this because they're like, well, hang on, this could be quite good because then you could you know have it scan the food as you put it into the fridge, and then it knows what's in there, helps you for reordering. I think the problem for me is that, again, it's just not connected up. You know, if it was able to say, hey, the milk's running out and it's this particular type of milk I buy, then I can add it to the shopping list and, and go and order it. But I don't know if it can do all that. I, if it's just showing you what you've got in the fridge, what's the point? I mean, I could just use seeing AI and figure it out for myself a lot quicker. I don't that's get just, it. Yeah, glue
2: a webcam in there and drill a hole through it
0: and uh, make my own. Thank you. And get Be My Eyes to to look inside your fridge. Now that would be cool. That, <laughs> yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. Okay, ah, be we my fixed get, that problem. Get Mike Buckley on the phone immediately. I've got an I idea. Just, be did. my fridge.
2: <laughs> that's not how it works, is it? We all just stack all our food on top of each other. It, 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 it That's not how people live. Mm. It, I'm sorry, I'm not organizing my fridge so the camera can see it correctly. And, and No, thank you, but no.
0: And uh, if you aren't excited enough about AI inside uh, everything that we uh, have these days, Volkswagen Cars will get chat GPT built in. You know, because drivers haven't enough to uh, take their focus off the road. So uh, let's, let's have them typing prompts into GPT whilst they drive. What a great idea. I think this will be by voice. um, (laughs) Yes, it definitely will be my voice, but but they can make up their own poems as they travel along. Yeah, exactly. Make make me a limerick about Stephen and Sean from Double Tap whilst I drive down the road. I'm just thinking more sophisticated road rage to hurl at people as they travel down. (laughs) Give me 15 15 responses to, I hate this guy in front. Uh, listen, stick around. Uh, Shelly Brisbane is going to join us next uh, to talk all about uh, Apple's Vision Pro announcement and uh, get her take from the low vision perspective. That is next here on Double Tap.
1: Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven 803 4567 or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Let's get some news now from our good friend Michael Babcock. Hey, guys, it's Michael here, your resident uh, blind show reporter, I guess mm. we'll call me, yeah, hopefully. Okay. Anyways, wanted to come and let you know that now there is some exciting news for Blindshell Classic 2 users who have the Be My Eyes app on their Blindshell. If you go to the app catalog and then you choose updates and you download the Be My Eyes update, you should then be able to go in and locate the Be My AI option, press OK on that, and then take a picture. When you take a picture, you'll hear the sound. And when that sound stops, then press the top bar or the up button to read the description. If you'd like to ask additional questions, you can use the bottom or down button to go locate the ask more option and press OK. Check it out. Be my AI. I'm sure Sean and Steven will agree with me. The best darn picture describer you'll ever have.
0: This side of Memphis, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that, Michael, or whatever Sorry. you are. I think he's an oregano. Is that what? It, that's absolutely where he lives. Oregano.
2: Absolutely right. Or origami. Yes. Yeah. Michael Babcock, what a star! He Our is. turtle in a blind shell. I love him. Thank you, Michael.
0: <laughs> that's great news, though, for blind shell users, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's great that this is finally getting out there, um, although it's still not in my BlackBerry yet. i just uh, putting it out there. Okay. Anyway, uh, we've got Shelly Brisbane with us. Hey, Shelley, good to have you here. Happy New Year.
3: Hi, Stephen. I, I found this event in my BlackBerry, and now here I am to talk to you. Oh, isn't the
0: BlackBerry great? I think let's yes, bring it awesome. back.
3: awesome. I love all those. All those little keyboard buttons are awesome.
0: Hey, listen, I don't know if you've been following this story, but I, I get a lot of messages on social from people saying, hey, you're going to buy this new Clicks keyboard. This on display at CES this year. Have you heard about this one? The,
3: the, I have. I've heard about it. Not going to buy it. Haven't dug into it. I, I've seen a lot of people feel like they need to have strong opinions on it. And I confess, <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it seems odd, but I, 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 more power to those who are interested in it.
0: I like the idea. I think the problem yeah. for me is it makes the phone so big. I mean, they're bringing one out, Sean, was, you were saying for the iPhone 15 Pro Max. That's right. Currently, it's for the 15
2: Pro, or at least the Pros. Uh, but the one they're bringing out in spring for the 15 Pro Max,
0: adds well, it's just a ridiculous size once you well, add it to the... it's a it phone case, right? It's a phone case, but with the addition of maybe what, an extra couple of inches at the bottom which contains the keyboard very much BlackBerry style QWERTY keyboard so physical tactile buttons
3: but then but- could I just have an iPad mini with a phone in it i mean at that point <laughs>
0: yeah exactly it's just too big how are you going to carry that about
2: i i feel like i'm missing out i never had a BlackBerry and I I I hate those smaller qwerty keyboards. I had a couple of Nokia's back in the day with a tiny qwerty keyboard, the E seventy seven or something like E seventy. Um, but oh yeah, they were they were just no good. Honestly, you can't touch type on them or anything. So, I, what was it about the Blackberry that made it amazing and made the, this click thing uh, so popular? Apparently, there's a lot of interest in it. I, I, well, I like
3: the Blackberry. Were you a Blackberry user? I I did not have one. And the funny thing about that is I have very small hands and small fingers. And so in theory, I would have been a good candidate for one. But I did. I never had one. No. And I in those days, I wasn't super I wasn't like running around in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. or where where (laughs) all the important lobbyists had them and were, you know, I didn't need to type. I didn't know I needed to type text messages to people. And that's the only reason I probably would have had one. So.
0: I, I have to say, not only did I run around Washington, D.C. pretending to be a lobbyist, I also uh, had a belt holster for mine. <laughs> oh, shame. Such a
3: nerd, Stephen. Such <laughs> a nerd. I also had
0: a pen that was in my top shirt pocket as well. That was the mark of someone who worked in IT.
2: And wearing oh, yeah. a a Bluetooth headset the size of a book, <laughs>
0: yes, uh, <yeah>. exactly, and, <laughs> glorious. And, and USB keys on a lanyard—that was a really important <laughs> thing in those days as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That that signal that signalled you out in many many ways. Anyway, let's talk about Apple Vision Pro. This is certainly going to single Speaking you out. Speaking of new technology, yeah. Um, okay, I, I have a view on this Vision Pro, which is that for blind people. I don't think there's a lot in it for us on day one. I'm not saying it won't ever have anything in it for us because, of course, we know it's going to have accessibility features in it. We know about this already. But in terms of apps, in terms of features, in terms of what it can do, what is the value for a blind person? I don't think there's much. However, and this is why I wanted you on today, I want to get your take on this as from a low vision perspective because I would say that off the bat from day one, there's way more that the Vision Pro might offer someone like you.
3: I think we're going to find out how many different kinds of low vision there are, even more to a greater extent than we already know that, because there are going to be so many different experiences. Some people are going to fall right into it and love it, and they're going to use Zoom or Contrast or whatever existing accessibility features Apple provides, and they're going to be happy. And there are other people, maybe people who have eyeglasses prescriptions who are going to get some benefit out of it as well, because the lens will have those eyeglasses prescriptions available to them. And then there are other people who, for whatever reason, either because they don't have corrected correctable vision or because their low vision is just, you know, inconsistent in some way, are going to have some challenges using it. And I think there's a huge amount of unknowns for all of those. That's why I have to divide them in that many categories, because I feel like for for some people, it's really going to work. And for other people, it's going to be a challenge of finding out what is the thing that I can do that I can do better with this thing than I can with a computer. And a lot of the entertainment stuff is kind of obvious. I mean, watching a high resolution movie or some other video content. Right in your eyeballs. That sounds great from a low vision point of view. Mm. If you're talking about using a computer and manipulating things with your hands, not to not to say your eyes, because you can turn off the eye gaze part. uh, I don't know what that's going to be like for low vision people. And I think a lot of us are going to just have to demo it or listen to other people before we understand it completely.
2: I think that's a great point, uh, that the low vision, I'm using that as a catch-all myself. I need to pick myself up on that because I'm saying, yeah, I can see low vision people having a use for this. But there is so many uh, different, it's such a spectrum when it comes to low vision. I, was, I lost my peripheral vision first, but there's people out there that lose their central vision first. So you can't just say, yes, if you're low vision, you could use these for something, no matter if you yeah. don't know what that use case is yet.
3: And there are people with macular degeneration who need a really bright screen surface, and there are other people like me who need it to be super dark. How much control do I have of that? Presumably there will be contrast and brightness settings, but how flexible will they be? And again, how appropriate will they be to whatever app? I want to use. I think it's going to be very dependent on the way you're using this thing. So we won't be able to say, oh, the Vision Pro completely works for me or doesn't work for me. It's going to be based on, am I trying to do work? Am I trying to manipulate things in a game? Am I trying to just watch TV? I mean, I'm really excited about watching video content because I suspect that's going to be the easiest thing for most people with low vision to mm, do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was reading, of course, the news that Zeiss will be um, the the people in charge of making the prescription lenses. They're they're bringing out two versions, I believe. So there's reading glasses types, I guess, lenses, and then there's the prescription ones. Uh, Prices were actually a lot lower than I think we were expecting. I I, I, I remember saying to someone at the time, these lenses are going to cost a fortune. But we're talking $100 for the readers and for prescription, $150. Which, you know, once you're, you know, talking on top of three and a half thousand dollars, it seems like a a giveaway, right? It seems like a deal. Yeah. I think
3: think keep in mind, though, that when they say readers, and I'm sure that the Zeiss lenses will be very good. But keep in mind that when they say readers, they're talking about the kind of reading glasses that folks with typical vision use, where you can go into a drugstore and buy what they call readers that will correct uh, old age related vision changes. So somebody with low vision is almost certainly going to have to have a prescription lens. And will they be able to get the kinds of, I mean, I have what what people used to call Coke bottle readers. Mm-hmm. I just use them as readers, but they're very thick uh, lenses that, you know, stick out from my face. And I don't know how easy it's going to be to get a prescription for that, nor do I know whether because they're reading glasses, they're going to be appropriate for all uses of the Vision Pro. If I'm reading something like a desktop interface or a Finder interface on a computer, that seems like that would make sense. But does, am I still able to use it effectively when I'm watching video or am I way too close up? Or is there going to be, I mean, there's so many questions and I think a lot of us are going to have to get demos and somebody out there is going to have to bite the bullet and actually buy one.
0: Well, uh, and US only. So I think it's done to you, Shelley. I think you're the one that sent Right. All
3: right, I'll be back. I'm, I'm uh, starting to save my money right now.
0: But, you know, on this on this point about prescription lenses, I saw a few people, Steve Saylor, for example, The Blind Gamer, talking about trying to buy the prescription lenses for the Meta ray Bands, and basically being told that he can't get them because they don't do the type of prescriptions for those, or for his prescription. And- I think this is going to be a bigger problem going forward for these kind of devices. It's not something I've come up against before, but I have seen it on some of the ads. I don't know if you have this, but you know, over here, uh, we have ads on TV for these companies that will sell you like a pair of glasses for, for $10 or something, and they'll mail them out to you. You just send in your prescription and they'll mail the glasses to you, um, but they do state that there are certain prescriptions that they would just will not be able to do. So I think there's a bit of a challenge there for us. I mean, again, with Apple being so focused on accessibility, you'd like to think they could maybe lean into Zeiss a bit more on that, but maybe there's a physical limitation to some degree.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I know that a lot of the reading glasses that I have had have been made of plastic and I'm have, sure that has something to do with the weight of glass. And so I don't know, for example, once you switch materials and once you have a thicker lens, whether that's possible. And also a lot of people have different prescriptions and different eyes, especially for reading. So you might have a situation where it's like, you okay, you have to pick a prescription that's going to work for the whole face. I understand that there are the, the Vision Pro is separated into separate eyes, but can you get a prescription for individual sides of, of the face? I don't know. Mm. And yeah, I would, and I also would imagine that at launch, it wouldn't be available, even if they were eventually able to do it. I can't imagine that that's on a first day launch. And I can't imagine there are going to be a lot of people that are going to know that. So you're going to walk in and you're going to go, Hey, here's my $3,500 and I want to get my prescription lenses. And here's my special purpose, low vision, super duper reader uh, prescription that I use. Uh, Again, go ahead and fill that for me for $149. And the poor person at the store is going to say, "Uh, I don't know what that even means.
0: (laughs) Yes,
2: that's right. I remember when I used to wear glasses, I used to, I think the majority of the cost was on getting them ground down So they weren't the Coke bottles (laughs) so much. That's right. Um, Because you could get your prescription, but I would spend extra money. So they weren't quite protruding as far out of my face as they should.
3: Right. And like I say, the materials depend too, because it's, I don't know that I've ever, I think maybe very, the very first reading glasses I had when I was a teenager might have been made of glass, but since then they've been like little plastic lenses. And in fact, one of the problems I have is that because they're so thick, it's not that they're heavy, but they're so thick, they tend to pop out of these little glasses frames that I've chosen for myself. So uh, yes. yeah, there are all sorts of potential uh, situations with that. And I, I don't know how many low vision folks would anticipate using and I'm talking about reading lenses in terms of this sort of coke bottle aesthetic I, I don't know how many folks with low vision would would be using that versus some other kind of prescription that they would have that's for long distance viewing uh, I, I probably not probably the goal would be to get your reading glasses prescription in the vision pro but the question would be, with the accessibility features, with Zoom, with contrast, with brightness adjustments, uh, with reverse video, could a person with low vision who has a reading glasses prescription effectively use the Vision Pro? Like, I don't use my reading glasses to read my computer screen, but I've made the adjustments I need in order to see the screen the way I want to see it.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Uh, there's so many ways we can look at this. And I think that for blind people and for low vision people, there are actually some very stark differences in the ways we will use this. I mean, obviously for Sean and I, it's going to be voiceover. How will voiceover work? And that might be the case for many low vision people as well. I'm also interested in this from a low vision perspective because I think about all these products that exist today. There are so many almost VR type headsets you can buy. I think about eSight or I think about... There's only one. that's uh, just kind of called Eyes, which is just a pair of glasses, a larger pair of glasses that have cameras in them, and these cameras then relay back to screens built in to the device, and they have lots of vision modes in them. So someone with certain eye condition would be able to see more clearly. Uh, E-Sight talks about you know using the the parts of the vision that w- work essentially, and then being able to put a, a camera onto that so that or a screen onto that so that then we can see better. Um, I wonder if down the line, Vision Pro could be a useful candidate for that. I mean, this is really, this is the future gazing stuff, right? Because we just don't know yet.
3: That's such a super interesting idea. And I I love that you mentioned eSight because uh, back when I was running around covering the CSUN conference in California, and I would go and look at all the devices that were available, I tried eSight, I tried, there are various uh, devices that are Basically, based on a Samsung tablet that put cameras on your, it's put a headset on your face, uh, either for watching video content or for even for walking around the exhibit show floor, and everything is magnified via Mm -hmm. camera. I could not use eSight. I did not. It didn't work for my vision. I could use those Samsung headsets, although they were very very heavy. And I know different devices I've tried work differently for me. And I think that's the experience that. In the, mo- in, in the current world that we have. And so, yeah, does Vision Pro have the potential to sort of smooth that down or to customize our experience based on the way our vision works? Maybe so. Maybe eSight creates a Vision Pro app or creates a Vision Pro experience. Uh, or maybe one of the companies that's now using Samsung headsets uh, will, will do something like that. Or maybe there'll be app developers who will come up with uh, limited accessibility-based uh, apps. I say limited only in the sense that it's trying to do a very specific thing. Instead of making the whole Vision Pro experience accessible, it's saying, okay, here's how I'm going to make it easier for you to use the computing aspects of it, or here's how I'm going to make it easier for you to watch video, or at some point, long time in the future when we can actually walk around with this thing, here's how we can navigate with you know, an IRIS sort of a thing, or an Envision AI, or a Be My AI, or any uh-huh. of those applications. And that's the, the te- this kind of technology is where that has to start, to be honest. I think it's great.
2: I think that's a great point, though. The, the, that's the first thing I think of when it comes to the assistive potential of this, is something like eSight, you know, being able to walk around uh, and navigate with the contrast turned up on the world. So I can see the, the, the edge of the sidewalk or that pole that's right in front of me would be massive. But as you pointed out, the the, the big thing with the Vision Pro is this isn't designed for outside use. I mean, I'm not saying you can't use it
0: outside, but. Well, this not this edition, is... no. I mean, down the line, it will be. They're they're going going to make this smaller, right? It's not going to stay this size. I think
3: it starts here, and I think it'll be a few years. And I do think the potential, if there's enough, if frankly, if the price goes down, and frankly, if there are more iterations of it that folks can afford or justify to their rehab agency or whatever, then there becomes a market and an opportunity for people in the assistive technology world to create specialized experiences. I'm not saying apps because I don't know whether apps is the right thing to say or whether it's some sort of uh, hardware addition to the Vision Pro or some sort of customized Vision Pro. I don't know what it is. I think it's apps. I think yeah, it's apps. Well, it starts with apps. That's the easiest thing. Uh, and I absolutely think there would be accessibility based, focused apps. I mean, if Be My AI isn't there, that's malpractice. They really, really need to be there. Uh, Envision AI, all those things. Hello, I'm calling you out, uh, folks. Uh, be My be My Eyes, I'm calling you out, apparently. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, apps are the easiest way to take what exists now, those many cameras and the intelligence and the AI smarts behind them and turn them into uh, something that functions as assistive technology. I think the bigger question is going to be Outside of assistive technology, can we get enough benefit out of it that, assuming that we have the thirty five hundred dollars plus all the other little bits, uh, is it going to be something that somebody's going to going to want to buy and, and get enough benefit out of, and is it something that over time is going to be upgradable in the way that iOS makes the iPhone? Upgradable and better over time, even if you don't buy a new one every year.
0: I want to ask you just very quickly because I don't know if you know the answer to this, but and I feel I've heard this somewhere, but it's one area of low vision we don't talk about very often, and that's for those people who have monoscopic vision, so, so one eye essentially. And this not being touted as a virtual reality device, which I think we all heaved a sigh of relief at, um, might make it possible to some degree. To be usable by someone who has only one eye.
3: I'd love that. I love the idea that you could just in settings, say, put everything in the right side so that for that person, it's not a big empty space. They're just using the vision that the, they, the way they typically use it. And they're seeing the whole Vision Pro experience as best they can. And I hadn't really thought about that. And I don't know enough about that in detail, but we already know that a lot of people with low vision have different visual acuities in each eye in many cases mm, and yeah. so it would be the the, the sort of most straightforward thing to do would be to say well can we limit Access to can we make it so that a person with one usable eye uh, can use all of the Vision Pro? But the next thing would be is it possible, either through prescriptions or through some settings within the Vision, prescriptions for glasses or, or settings within the Vision Pro, is it possible to customize for a variety of visual acuity? Like, and I don't know, I'm just sort of spitballing here. I, I don't know how that would work exactly, but it feels like. If Apple has designed it so that your experiences you're seeing, if you have, if, you, if both of your eyes are functional and your experiences you're seeing it as one screen, but it's actually two, it's actually two cameras, two sets of cameras, two sets of screens, then it seems like there's all sorts of opportunities to customize the individual eye experience.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that we, we're all excited by the, the technology here, but we're still sort of struggling to see the use case. I mean, other than watching media on it, what what is this going to be used for? What other things, gaming and media? I don't know what else we can... I
3: think gaming will be super interesting because as much uh, has been done in accessibility uh, for gaming, I have not personally had somebody who wants to be able to use what vision I have to do gaming. I personally have not found gaming experiences that work for me and in theory this could be one of those if again if the apps are designed in such a way that that I can use them out either out of the box or some apps that are specially tuned for people with low vision I don't know what exactly that would look like as far as what else we could use it for I yeah, I am I am most skeptical I guess of the sort of more generic uses of it as a computer uh, both because well it's a very expensive computer and we all have laptops and even phones that we use Reasonably comfortably right now. Mm-hmm. So, what, is that something you'd even want to do? And then also, um, I feel like th- there's there there's a, several ways that you're going to have you're going to interact with this. You're either going to use touch touch gestures, or if you can, you're going to use eye gaze. And the interesting thing is, I wonder to what extent you're going to kind of have to make a choice. Like, okay, I have some vision can I use eye gaze features at all to move things around on screen, for example, like you do in the Finder on a Mac? Or because my vision is the way it is, am I going to use voiceover exclusively or touch gestures combined with voiceover and not use eye gaze? And the, the unknown aspects of that, how we're going to be able to uh, combine accessibility tools and whether we are, makes it hard for me to think about what ways we're going to use it. For example, I've seen some really interesting demos that aren't really games, but they're basically experiences where they're having you physically move things. And so they have people look at something and they move a ball over from here to there. And that's kind of fun, but what's the practical application and how does that work if your vision kind of sort of works, but not as well as most folks' vision does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine what it would be like trying to do this with nystagmus. My eyes are all over the place at the best of times. And you know, any flash of light and my eyes are, you know, pinging off the sides oh, of my yeah. head. Same. So, you know, it, 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 that little pointer is going to be like, whoa, 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 hang on, wait, 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 wait what are you looking at? I <laughs> wouldn't have a clue what's going on. So, yeah, for right, me, it would be Right, you just moved your over.
3: window to a whole other place. <laughs> you have no idea where it is. You just copied your entire hard drive to the trash. <laughs>
0: I was airdropped from all my photos to, you know, some, some to Sean. Yeah, yes, to you know, Sean. <laughs> hopefully to Sean. Although, I don't know, actually, maybe not. But... Um, no, because he'll use them against me. But uh, <laughs> no, I just, I think there's there's a lot of potential. That, I, what I'm feeling is from what you're saying, because I, I wasn't sure how you would feel about this. I was kind of intrigued to know, is this something you would want to go out and buy? It would this be a Shelley Brisbane product? And I'm, I'm getting the sense you're going to sit this one out and maybe wait to see what version two brings up.
3: My hope is to get an in-store demo because in the U.S. they are going to have these devices available in all Apple stores, apparently, Mm. and demos are going to be available. They are presumably going to be hard to get. I have two Apple stores in my town, and so I'm going to try like heck to do it. And the other interesting thing is going to be, okay, you get a demo. Can you get the accessibility features demoed, or are they set up to just demo in the way that somebody with typical vision would use it? Obviously, I won't have... Uh, glasses inserts. I don't, for me, that's not a particular issue because again, I don't feel like I'm the, I, I, I just don't feel like that's the way I'm going to be using it with a reading glasses insert. But uh, my goal is to get a demo. And I feel like, uh, I mean, I'm asked to be on programs like this enough that I'm going to have to be up to speed on it, whether I like it or not. <laughs>
0: Well, especially because so, we can't get our hands on one. That's the it's problem. True.
3: Right, right. And so somebody has to bite the bullet, and it apparently is me. Apparently, I've been nominated. So, You're nominated, uh, yeah. It's so Apple, you. if uh, if you want to <laughs> help me and Stephen and Sean and all the Double Tap listeners out, uh, you'll uh, help me out.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm going to try and see if I can help you with that, because seriously, okay. I think we should, we should. Because we need to get this tested. This has to be tried. So, yeah, let's let's uh, work together on that one. Uh, also, just while I've got you, iOS Access for All available for iOS 17 now, right?
3: Absolutely. You Yay. can get iOS Access for All in all the formats and all the places uh, at iosaccessbook.com or at the iBooks, Apple Book store. I got in trouble for calling it the iBooks store. Not <laughs> like it. It's not the iBook store. I know that. Anyway, yeah, the book's available. All the iOS 17 goodness uh, for your reading pleasure. So uh, go out and get one if you like.
0: And are you going to uh, do iOS on oh no, be Voice? What is it called? Vision OS access oh, for Vision all? Is that going to be the next thing from you? Uh,
3: <laughs> right after the Vision Pro arrives in my mailbox, we'll talk about
0: that. <laughs> now, if there's not a reason to send one out to you, then I don't know what exactly. is, honestly. Uh, you're still doing the Parallel podcast as well. Still doing a lot of work on radio in Texas as well, right? You're keeping busy.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Parallel uh, has been on a bit of a break, but I think with Vision Pro coming along, another reason to uh, wake mm. make the show back. Up. Uh, and then yeah, I st- I'm still working at Texas Standard, where I do get to cover accessibility and disability stuff every now and again, which makes me very happy. We're about to host an event here in Austin, Texas about the state of accessibility in Texas. So uh, I, I keep my hand in, in a lot of different places.
0: And I love that we get you on to talk about the low vision perspective because I think that's a really important one that uh, just frankly here on Double Tap we just don't do enough of. And it's because Sean and I are just no longer in that category anymore. So it's kind of difficult yes. for us to talk about these things. But I think it's important because there are a lot of people out there who do have some usable vision left and, you know, they might want to know about how these products can benefit them. So, you know, it's, it's more than than just about voiceover or, you know, speech output sometimes.
3: I I, I think that low vision, it, it always creates questions when new products come out because you you know with an Apple product that there's going to be some accessibility and that if voiceover exists it's probably going to work but there's always a question question for a person with low vision am I going to be able to see the watch am I going Mm. to be able to see the vision pro how are they going to implement it and I also with caveat that my low vision is my low vision and not yours you know I I do my best to sort of say here's what's here's what's helpful to me and I hope it's uh, a little bit helpful to you
0: yeah absolutely uh, do check out Shelley uh, online and of course uh, check out that iOS Access for All book as well, it is well worth getting Parallel Podcast is a fantastic podcast and you got to check that out as well, wherever you get your good podcasts and bad podcasts, it's like what you get ours as well you get it in bad <laughs> podcast places as well <laughs> uh, Shelly as always it's great to have you, thank you so much for being with
3: us Good to be here. Thanks so much. Charlie Brisbane there. And uh, that is it for us today,
0: Sean. Uh, we are back tomorrow. We're going to be talking tomorrow about the story of seeing AI. Its founder is going to be joining us. Keep Shake is here from Microsoft on Double Tap tomorrow, plus more from CES all coming up. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. Don't forget the website as well for all the latest. DoubleTapOnAir.com. Catch you tomorrow, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye.